0: welcome to ctn cio talk network with your host sun joe gall all comments views and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host guests and callers now here's sun joe gall
1: Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And as always, we invite you to to join this uh, discussion on Twitter and look for this show as hashtag leadership and hashtag focus. So our topic for today is uh, dismissing or rather dismiss distractions to deliver value. And our guests for today's show are Kevin Burns, who is the Chief Information Officer, City of Miami. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good morning. How are you today? I'm fine. Very good, sir. Very good. Thank you for joining us. And we have Don Phillips, who's the CIO with City of Cleveland. Hi, Don. How's life? Oh, good morning. Good morning. Life is great this morning. Thank you. All right. And uh, so the the reason we invited the two smart gentlemen here is because we feel that, uh, you know, as cities, right, as cities, you are doing a whole lot going on that, uh, joining the bandwagon of becoming smarter or a smart city. But besides that, you have to serve the citizens. And all of that at least in today's day and age, looks like we are looking up to the digital or digitalization to help out. And it offers options and it has opportunities. We've got a number of projects that are unprecedented. But then guess what? We could be going 20 different directions and it could cause issues with our productivity or value creation if we don't focus properly. So we are here today to talk about distractions How do you recognize the distractions and how do you get hold of your focus at individual and organizational level? So, Kevin, let me start with you. When we live in our world growing up, we were told that, okay, you got to charge ahead. You want to do more. You want to become more. Uh, All of that, so the more is the mantra. Do you think with opportunities and and, uh, projects and initiatives come to us and we are drinking from a fire hose,
2: is that really helping us? In the long run, probably it is helping us. In the short run, I think it uh, it provides a lot of those distractions or, um, you know, um, it it gives us So many things to think about that you can't concentrate enough on one particular item at a time.
1: So if you are saying that in the long run, now let me turn it around and ask Don. So when we are looking at anything and we've got as as an organization, uh, you're trying to become a smart city or at least working towards it. And of course, the citizens are demanding something more. You can always be looking at the resources and say, where would I put them? Where would my, my focus be better utilized? How do you determine even that? Well,
3: I think, I think you're correct. Obviously, resources are always, uh, are always limited between time, money, um, and, and the actual resources to get it done. So um, I think the key is, though, we have to always go back to our mission. And, and for a city and for city services, our mission is to deliver services to our citizens. So um, I, I think the key is to always go back and measure those projects and measure those initiatives against our core value and our core mission. And so at that point, if the business, which happens to be the city um, itself, is going in a direction,
1: we have to be there with them. So, uh, Kevin, when you look at your charter for the year uh, that you would put together, how do you look at it in terms of the focus? Because you would have quite a variety of you know, initiatives and we were always taught that a leader not only delivers results as a as a way they could rally the troops and get the projects done, but they also make sure that the right type of growth and learning happens for its people. And if you are trying to get them to do way too much or maybe enough, but not with the right focus, which is aligned to their strengths, then as a result, yes, you might get to that end goal partially, but you would you may cause more damage because the people may not have delivered to their fullest potential, and as a result, they have not grown as much. What do you have to say to that?
2: Yeah, uh, and, and I agree with what Don was saying. We always have to look at what our strategic initiatives and goals are um, when we're trying to, you know, prioritize and align projects for, you know, the current year, let's say. So we need to take a look at those and you know it's like it's like uh, eating an elephant, you have to take one bite at a time right before you can get to the end, so you have to look at those projects, you have to prioritize them towards the strategic goals and objectives of the city and the citizens you know what they tell us to do, and then we have to kind of concentrate on those uh and and assign as the resources that are necessary to complete those projects um and do it you know to the best of our capabilities. Uh, and abilities that we have in order to be successful for each of those projects. And some of them we may have to stall a little bit or start at a little bit later date in order to provide enough resources or the proper resources to be successful.
1: And would you say, Kevin, based on what you just said, um, is this going to, the, the strategic, when you use the word strategic, right, our strategic priority, that's also determined by humans, and what comes to us, what we say yes and no to is also being determined by humans. Do you think there is a risk of us saying yes, that, that may, they may be strategic, but they may be also looked at uh, holistically as a distraction versus a focused effort?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, for, for certain. We um, And again, going back to your your example of the fire hose, because, you know, we have multiple bosses that we are trying to um, to please and to make sure that we're fulfilling their objectives and their strategic needs, um, you know, the city commission, the city administration, and ultimately um, the constituents or, or the, the citizens and business people of the city. So certainly there is multitude of ideas and, um, you know, initiatives to enhance and, and make us more efficient. And all of those can be a distractor, even though, like I said earlier, that's why I think in the long run, those distractors are good because we need to ultimately find that end game. But we have to put a, uh, a game plan in, in place in order to, you know, to successfully achieve all of those because you can't have 52 number one priorities
1: And well said. So, Don, coming to you, we know that as part of us being a great organization, or at least as part of becoming a great organization, we should be inclusive in our nature, which means we are not just picking and rationalizing and prioritizing things in the ivory tower with the top leaders only. We should also include the very people who are in the trenches, now it has a bright side to it because you are involving them, so they own it, and thus the execution will be better and adoption will be better. But then it also has a, as an element of potential risk of getting distracted because once you include them, and they may have great ideas, but then there will be way too many great ideas, and if you say no, that also would create not not it would kind kind of create disappointment in with some people. It's a regular human nature. So how do you eat the cake and have it too? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, sometimes you're
3: right. The priorities of the person with the boots on the ground, as, as you're kind of saying there, those people who are closest to the work, may be a little different than the strategic goals of those that may be a little bit higher up. And so you're right. I think that's a very good thing that you have the balance between you know, somebody who just wants to get their job done more effectively and efficiently and is coming to you, again, they're, they're on the ground, closer to the work versus, you know, upper management who has a different vision. So I think it's critical to mesh those two together. And, again, we have to always go back to that central point is, okay, we all should be looking to make our jobs more efficient and more effective. Um, And and when it comes from the people that are close to the work, how is this going to deliver that service better? How is that going to make the citizen engagement um, better? How is a citizen going to benefit from um, this interaction and not just a personal, I like to do my job better. So, you know, if we can look at that and somebody comes with an answer, a question and says, look, you know, I think here's a very good opportunity to not only make my job better, but to affect the city as well, then we have to take that up to the chain. And we do have some things in place um, from a governance standpoint to get that input from those people that are closest to the work. And actually put it up the chain of command so that um, people can see, hey, there's some great ideas down here. But there is a balance there because sometimes that strategic direction is not necessarily the same as kind of the people that are actually doing the work.
1: Coming to uh, the the overall performance or the outcome, that when is measured for an industrial worker is very easily measured when you count the number of widgets. But right. in an information age or a digital age, a person sitting in front of a computer may not be exactly as um, you know, measured as well. So, so, Kevin, coming to you, if I am going to motivate or incent a person to do the best job they can and also move them into a focused approach or focusing on what they do best or what they, they can deliver, what all we need to do so that it happens with that person because we cannot push something down their throat because it was a strategic priority, even when it was inclusive, but it could be, there could be a defined line beyond which it will start becoming way too many things. A person is distracted, the energy is dissipated. How do you, how do you measure that? Because the person will not be able to tell you because they're not
2: building widgets. Yeah. And and I agree with you. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the big challenges. Um, that a CIO has, and it's also kind of um, the morphing of the CIO role and how we have to start embracing some more of those soft skills that, you know, that now now we're not just, you know, a technology person. Now we have to be a business person, and we have to be a technology person, and we have to be able to um, equally um, <laughs> spread that across the spectrum and talk with our business partners and our business allies within the within the city, Um, and it's our job as a CIO to kind of um, keep that distraction or try to minimize the distractions for those people that are in our workforce that are concentrating on specific, um, you know, specific projects or specific functions that they're doing. And, yeah, sometimes it's it's difficult to do that, but... um, you know it's it's a constant communication and a two way communication that we have to keep open to our whole workforce to try to minimize those distractions the best we can,
3: yeah so Don, I, can, I think I can jump in on here and piggyback with what Kevin is saying is that the role has definitely shifted. Um, we, we, are, we are no longer technologists. I mean, we have, it sounds like uh, City of Miami is probably the same way. We have commissioners who run the technology. I have commissioners that work for me who actually manage the technology. A lot of my job now is is managing the business processes and making sure that that we deliver the value to the business. So, And a lot of projects nowadays may not even be technology. I I would assume, I would bet that maybe 25% of my projects currently are not directly technology processes. They're how do I fix my business process, and oh, yeah, by the way, we might be able to use technology to fix that. Because at the end of the day, the the CIOs and the project managers are really good at fixing things. So um, I think that's, you know, to go back to your question is, we have to look at no longer let's just get 10 things done and we're successful, but let's look at the, the actual results and say, okay, where were we trying to go, what was our goal, and did we meet our goal? And that goal could be in an efficiency, that goal can be in a satisfaction to a citizen, that goal can be you know, different than just we produced X, Y, and Z.
1: Now, both of you, when when you say that you you had everything, what you've defined here is coming from top down, and if the alignment to what an individual wants to achieve, because we are looking at individuals' effectiveness and productivity. If we look outside in, to a person, then they look like a resource, right? Even sometimes we call people as resources, which means we want to get the most out of them and, you know, how, how we kind of look at a resource. But if you want to really have a person maximize their productivity, their effectiveness, the sum total could be much higher. When we look at this whole, you know, distraction and, and number of things we are trying to give, get them to do, how can we convert that into an inside out, approach or process so that as individuals, they are most focused, most effective, most productive. And as a result, the organization benefits. But please hold your thoughts. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and
0: explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network, You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Joe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, so Don, uh, we are looking at the whole equation from outside in, and we have looked at it outside in, there's nothing wrong with it, but then there's also component where a person who comes, who may be a worker in your technology department or even other business, uh, uh, you know, user within the city government is coming in to pay their bills, uh, work hard and become something. Are we looking inside out at all in terms of the focus, the effectiveness and the productivity factors for that individual worker?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I, and I think you have to. Again, I, I'm very much believe in the people who are closest to the work know what really needs to happen. So while leaderships, we're charged with setting the vision. So I get the vision from the mayor, and from the mayor once he sets his vision, we can kind of kind of set up our strategy to to achieve that vision. But at the end of the day, it's the individual worker who's going to actually implement. Whatever change we want to do, and they know what the work is, so it is critical you, know, like I do here with the governance structure to have them in, involved in those those questions here's the vision: help me figure out how to get there because at the end of the day, whether it be uh, plowing a street for snow or or you know doing recreation centers, they know the work the best, so we have to keep them involved
1: and uh, Kevin, when we look at the overall picture at an individual uh, worker level, would it be better off focusing on effectiveness or productivity?
2: Huh. Better on one than the other. Yeah. The
1: reason I I say that is because if you do less, but you do the best, versus how much did I get done? I know at the top they will say, do more with less or more with nothing but that right. cannot percolate down to the individual worker because we are trying to develop focus. Yeah,
2: I think, I think that we need to be effective. You know, what we... And going back to what Don was saying earlier, that, you know, you 5% of our, our projects are true IT projects. 95% of them are business projects that have an IT flair to them or an IT perspective that help... That business unit achieved their goal, which is to serve the, serve the customers and serve the community. So, we have to be effective and we have to provide the best solution possible. So, effectivity or being more effective than productive is much better, I think.
3: Yeah, and I'd have to agree. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we have limited resources, so we have to make the most of those resources. And again, um, I always have this analogy even with my people. It's, you know, I don't you know I not, not necessarily need you to dig the hole here. I need it over here. So while that's a great hole you're digging, can you, can you do it over here for me where I need it, where it's effective? So um, just, you know, just doing work doesn't help us. We have to be extremely focused and make sure that we're measuring the outcome and, and measuring um, what we expected to get out of it and did we actually get that out of it and, and kind of, you know, how did that help us achieve our ultimate goals?
1: So this is what you want from them, but how do you go about doing... Suppose you were doing someone's performance appraisal. Would you look at the number of projects did they deliver or they effectively contributed in fewer projects, which is measurable and which moved the organization forward, whatever amount it did, but it also helped develop that person? Because if you are looking at the latter approach that directly has a bearing on how confident, how happy, how motivated that person will remain all the time. But then you have a productivity goal, too, on the other end. So, no. so you cannot tell that person to be, uh, you know, you cannot focus on productivity at that individual level, but you have to show productivity of the organization. So how do you, you kind of match the two? Yeah, I think the pro-
3: productivity is the effectiveness. So one, they should not be doing projects that have not been pre-approved and have shown to have value and add value to the organization. So that's That's a lot of my role. That's a lot of my commissioner role. Um, If I have my PMO office, my project management office, their role is to make sure these projects actually have value so that if I put you on a project, I already know what the expected value is, what the expected outcome is. So if you deliver this project successfully, we don't have to actually ask the question, was it productive? We know it was productive because we shouldn't allow you to begin that project. We shouldn't put resources to that project unless we know or expect a certain outcome and a certain return on that value, so I think that's a leadership issue to make sure that our projects are effective when they start out um, so by doing those projects, I think it has a built in kind of productivity and effectiveness
2: and, and, Coming. and I would and I would, I would say that um, you know what we do in the city is I make all of my managers provide goals and objectives for every. Uh, employee in our department. So they know what their goals and objectives are for the year, and it's a negotiable tool. Um, they review them on a quarterly basis because of all of the change that we that we can or do have um, throughout the course of a year. And what that does, you know, I think you asked the question, um, you know, how do we motivate the the individual workers, the resource, and how do they self-motivate so by, by having that input into their goals and objectives, which ultimately is going to be their annual performance evaluation, they get to tell how productive or how effective they're going to be as well. Um, and, and that ultimately, you know, strategically, and how does that align with the strategic goals and objectives of the department, which aligns to the city's strategic goals, objectives, and vision.
1: Now, one is the assignment right or how much was it assigned how well did they do and hindsight is 2020 and you you kind of understand that okay how what was the productivity level and how effective they were but at the same time if you were to look at that individual's dna at the time of assignment itself and say should i put this person on this particular job versus another one or less of this particular project another one on that one That has a direct bearing on how well a person is going to deliver, how much and what a person is going to deliver qualitatively, and also their motivation throughout. Because at the end of it, that project is not the last project they will do. But if they are tired because it was not aligned to their DNA, you may have done your allocation, but that person may have it, first of all, not as engaged, which will reduce their effectiveness and productivity. Secondly, a person is not a happy camper. So what are you doing as a CIO or as a leader, or I would not say you in particular, but as an organization to make sure that we are working towards building that focus, which is not coming just because you said so. It comes based on many of those other factors that I just mentioned. So Don, if I were to come and challenge you to say, okay, before you got these 20 projects and you got six resources, what would be your math and science or an art form, if you will, to make sure at the assignment level itself, you're making sure that DNA matches what has been assigned to a worker.
3: Yeah, and I think that's important. I think it's important both from the organization so that we get the most out of the person. Um, some people are subject matter experts in certain areas, and so that's an easy one, right? I know you're my SME in a particular area of the, of the city or a particular area of technology, so I, it's easy for me to assign that, that particular role. Um, you know, and that's something we have to cultivate constantly. Again, part of our job is cultivating people and making sure that we're aligning people with the right skills, with the right projects, and that's kind of what your question says. So I think that's a constant thing we have to look at to make sure we're, we're doing that. Again, I, you know, from here, perspective, you know, uh, specifically at City Cleveland, again, I look at my staff. We're constantly having meetings, and we're asking those questions. Sometimes it's as simple as let's put some projects on the board and ask, who'd like to take this? Who's excited about this project? And, you know, and somebody puts their hand up and says, I'm excited, uh, and hopefully they have a skill set that matches that, and we'll, we'll, we'll send them on their way. If we have to also give them supports, we'll give them supports. I think it's also very important to give people chances to do things that might be outside their normal comfort range. So some people might step up and say, hey, I've never done that project before, but it's outside my comfort zone. However, I want to try something new. And and you have to give people the ability, like you said, or they'll get burned out or they'll get bored, to do something new within within constraints. And we'll give them a mentor. Uh, Again, we have a project management office, which is nice, so that, they know exactly what's expected of them. They don't get too far out before they, uh, if they need some assistance to come back. So I, I think that's very important, especially with IT type projects, which can be relatively repetitive over time, The same kind of projects, um, but it's, it's critical. We put our IT people out in the business so they see things they've never seen before. It's not just technology. They have to go out there and they might ride on a garbage truck to see how it actually works. So if they're going to do a new process or a new program, They understand how the worker is doing. That's a whole different thing. A lot of them never get out of the office, so we put them out there um, so they can get that real-world experience and hopefully, again, motivate them a little more.
1: Kevin, as a parent, uh, I have children I'm sure many of our listeners would have, and there would be some children who would always want to sit in the front seat of the car. They would say yes to everything. Others may sit quietly and will be more complacent. But it's our job to recognize the people who are sitting in front, that they are not always taking away the thunder and or uh, they are doing the things which are best for them and at the same time, the ones who don't talk as much. So let's bring that parallel to your organization. Like suppose Don uh, said that we will ask who would want to take it. And yes, there will be people who would want to take it, but there are many others who would be effective or would be more effective. So we have to have some sort of a diagnosis. which is a parent's eye to be able to recognize versus the the squeaky wheel gets the most attention.
2: Exactly. And, you know, that's always like the 10%, right, that that are the most outgoing and and are willing to jump on everything and anything, no matter what it happens to be. And then you got, you know, a larger portion that may kind of want to sit back a little bit and a little bit more introverted. Um, But I think, as Don was saying, you know, and, and and as I said earlier, you know, communication and having that open line of communication is extremely important. And, you know, one of the things that I do every morning or almost every morning is I walk my whole floor and say good morning to everybody. So they know me, you know, hopefully they they should know me. And I know them and I get to know their personalities and I, need to, need, I get to know their skill sets. Um, I'm not that far removed from them um, that, you know, that I don't know that kind of So, when we're discussing new projects or, or, um, you know, the possibility of projects coming up, and I have a very good working relationship and open communication with their managers as well, so we start talking about projects that are coming down the pipe, and we start early in engaging all of our employees, um, you know, um, either by assignment, because we know that they have the correct skill set, but we also, um, you know, or by asking. But we also like to engage the employee to show them what value this project has, you know, not just for for our team as in pride and what we've delivered to the business unit, but how it's going to improve the business unit and ultimately improve that citizen or customer service experience on the outside so that they they feel that pride all the way from the initialization of the project through the delivery of the project and then the support of the project moving forward when they can fix problems if they do arise, but more so um, are able to give customers, um, and especially government customers, because, you know, I think we have a bad rap for having bad customer service and, you know, everything takes forever and and then there's a long line for this. But when we can improve that 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 experience for the customer. And now, you know, we're pushing a lot of our customer um, our customer uh, connectivity to the edge. So we're minimizing the fact that they have to come to a city administration building to perform their work. They can actually do a lot more of it online, which makes them more productive as a citizen and it allows them to engage in their own personal business, whatever that happens to be, and less time wasted at, you know, a city building. So when we can start showing how we're making the city a better place to live and and work in, then it gives them that sense of pride. And I think that also improves and, and makes them want to do more work and, and um, makes them feel better about what they are doing.
1: Great response, uh, Kevin. Now let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, I'd like to build upon this because, Kevin, as you mentioned, you go and say hello and good morning to everyone in, uh, in in the team, and that way they know you, and then you are able to tell them about how the initiative is going to help the city and the citizens. Now, coming to uh, the town halls, if you will, where you're giving this message may not happen every day. And then the people who actually stay focused or stay productive or effective, they do it because of their immediate managers. Unless otherwise it's a super flat organization, the middle managers have to be cloning what the top leader like you is thinking and, and the way they are behaving because one of the things is they have never lived digital, right? Middle managers today have not lived the digital. It's also coming to them new and they have to figure out how to deal with it. It's way too much coming down. And then they have to be able to lead their teams or manage their teams in such a way, I would rather not use the word manage, lead their teams in such a way so that we are not stifling creativity, but at the same time, not encouraging distraction. So how do we do this balancing act where they are not the leader that you are, Kevin, or Don? And how do we make sure such an organization exists and such middle managers exist and and do the job properly? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
0: You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Gall. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. So, so Kevin, we know that most people at, uh, you know, at the operational level, whether in IT or in business, truly stay in the company and stay motivated and deliver because of their managers, even though they may love or not love their leader. So your ability to uh, communicate to them over a town hall would be periodic. Your ability to go and say hello, of course, is going to be very motivating. But then, rest of the day, they have to deal with the middle managers. And those people, like I'm sure you as well and all of us, have not seen as much digital. So this is totally new. They do not have the experience to see how much should they allow people to delve into digital and and uh, use their creativity versus getting because they're measured by being productive or making their 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 staff productive so they have a conflicting um pro, you know directive if you will in some cases so how do you how do you handle this middle management not undermining what you're trying to do
2: uh well that that you know that that is like the million dollar question right so we have to constantly communicate with them. We have to, um, you know, I think, and I think that's why it's very important to get to know them, not just as a, um, a subordinate, but also as a person. You know, what motivates them? What What is their family like? Um, you know, what are their outside activities? What do they like to do? So I think it's good to, um, to, Take them, you know, go have a coffee with them and talk about things other than business to get to know them because then when you start to know them as a person and you start to know what motivates them, then you can start uh, molding your conversations, the business conversations, and start molding um, how you want to assist them to become more digital and how to become more effective in their management style and, and motivating their their subordinates.
1: That's a great answer. Now, Don, while w- what Kevin mentioned would be the first chapter in that playbook to turn your middle managers into digital leaders, if I had to write one, what would the subsequent chapters look like? What would How would you groom them? With you yourself are relatively new, I'm assuming all of us are, as leaders. How do you get the middle management to you know, walk that path towards becoming a digital leader in that journey, they become the best possible mentors and or managers for the people who are doing the job. So they become most more focused and more effective.
3: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, let me just say we have some great managers here. My commissioners and my, my, my line managers are, are some great people. Some of them I brought on board um, over time and some of them were already here. But I think part of it is, is, is kind of goes what Kevin was saying is they have to believe in you. And so at at some point, you know, they have to be able to say, look, I trust your vision and I'm going to follow you. Um, Same way I trust the mayor's vision and I follow him. So I have to sell the mayor's vision to my team. And so, um, and part of that is, again, having some of those personal conversations. Where do we want to go? How do we want to get there? What do we want to look like, um, you know, when we grow up as an organization? So those conversations and and selecting those key managers is very critical to the success of our business. Um, There's just no way around it. So, again, we have some great managers some great commissioners here, and and we're really all on board from a vision perspective. You know, my biggest thing I tell them is let me get out of your way, right? So that's the biggest thing. I want you – I hired you to be an expert, and I want you to be the expert. If you're not going to be the expert, I don't need you. So, you know, my job, I've always said, is to set that vision, um, give those people feedback if they're not on course, provide all the resources I can, and then most you know importantly, get out their way and let them do their job um, in removing the obstacles that come aboard. So I think people respect that when they're, they're considered the expert and their job is to get it done.
1: So what you mentioned was definitely going to ace the people side of it, but what about the digital literacy and digital leadership which they're supposed to exude in order for them to command respect and be able to lead the troops? When you say get out of the way, so you got out of their way, but we need to make sure that they are leading the troops in the right direction. Yeah, I'm hoping that they replicate that model.
3: That they empower their people, and we really try to do that again, going down to the individual worker. Um, again, you're an expert. You're just not. I think you mentioned it earlier. You're just not a resource. You're just not a set of hands that I need. You're an expert, even down at the all the way down to the work level, and empowering people to do the job. We are counting on you, um, and that's that's very critical. Again, Kevin, you'll appreciate that. You know, I, I rely a lot on George Patton and some of his his quotes, and he, and he kind of says that. He says, you know. Don't tell people what to do. Tell them what you want, and then they'll surprise you with their results, right? So that's what I, I try to do. Uh, from a digital literacy, I think people get in this business because they, they do have that. Uh, when I hire managers, I'm looking for that passion. Um, sometimes I trade off skills for passion because you can't buy passion, right? I can buy skills. I can send you to training. I can do those type of things, but I can't buy the passion for wanting to learn, for wanting to deliver and so that's critical so when i'm hiring a new manager that's more important to me and you know we can build up that digital skill set but again um, you can't buy passion
1: so let me let me put this example out there if i am very passionate about golf but i'm playing the wrong game of golf i'm going to practice like there is no tomorrow but you may not be effective and we're talking about focus and effectiveness so you know, it's, it's one, one philosophy is that people don't do what you expect, but what you inspect. And that's not that there is lack of trust, but in order for you to kind of shape them and nudge them into a direction which will actually help them learn the right game of golf is the intent. How do you make that, make that happen?
3: Hope well, I'm- I, I think having that honest, you know, part of my, 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 my role is to provide that feedback. And I, I think having one, having a, a definite plan that says, here's where I want you to be. And if they get off course to provide that feedback, you're right, they may go out there and practice the wrong thing um, forever and it doesn't get them the results they want. So we need to make sure that we're, we're doing those things, we're building up those skills, we're, we're hiring the people that are going to ultimately give us the results that we want. And quickly, if we're not getting there, if we get off path, to get back on path.
1: Now that said, Kevin, I'd like to come to you. Do you think we are a digital apprentice leader or we are fully cooked leader when it comes to digital?
2: As CIOs, I think, I, think um, I would say digital apprentice right now because I think it for all of us. You know, we're not the millennials. We didn't we didn't grow up with a with a cell phone in our or a tablet in our hand. Um, you know, some of us got them much later in life, and so we're we're in the apprentice stage as well. And we are, you know, we're trying to craft our vision um, based on all of, you know, all of the things that we can get our hands on, reading, um, whether it's online or books or, um, you know, attending seminars or, or, you know, self-training or whatever we're doing. But um, we have to be like a sponge right now and try to absorb as many things in the digital era as we possibly can and then try to, you know, spit that back out Um, at least the things that we think are most relevant or pertinent to our organization or to our city, in in our cases, at this point in time, and also ultimately to our workforce. Um, And just, you know, we we can't, obviously we can't um, pull everybody along, but we can certainly nudge them along and we can kind of give the broad vision of, you know, we need to really start moving in this direction, and, I, you know, and I'd like your help. I'd like, you know, to encourage you to start looking at this, um, whatever that direction happens to be. A lot of it right now is the Smart Cities initiatives, obviously. Um, and and so, you know, that's, you know, the old saying, you can lead the horse to water, but you can never make him drink. But certainly I think our job is is to try to lead them in the direction that ultimately we want to move in, And um, and hopefully that's going to help help us get there.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners, and we come back and develop on this because the way, Kevin, you mentioned that we are apprentice leader and that's actually an accurate assessment for all of us here. So an apprentice cannot train or build another apprentice leader. Right? That's a reality if you were to look at it holistically. So what resources, what what avenues do we explore? Do we take them along and say, okay, we will both make mistakes together and somehow figure it out as a family? Is that the right approach? Or we say, okay, let's go and get some outside help who may always not have the right interests in mind because they could be a vendor because they want to exploit this opportunity. So we are in an interesting uh, foreign country, if you will, as a family who Neither of us know exactly how to go about it, but we still have to survive. How would we make that happen? Don, I'll come back to you when we come back from the break, so please stay tuned.
0: Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. you are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now back to the show. Welcome back.
1: So, uh, Don, when we are looking at uh, us being a family, I mean, I'm just considered this as an example, an analogy of a family going to a totally a new country. We are going to learn together, but still that family dynamic has to stay the same. That means if we are all new to this digital realm, how do we go about learning together and still be able to maintain the focus, the productivity, and effectiveness and ne- don't come across as someone, as an apprentice, is teaching another apprentice?
3: No, I agree. That's a, that's a great analogy and a great question. I mean, there are some things we don't know yet. We can't know at all. Um, and we do rely on internal um, staff and external vendors. And as you mentioned before the break, some of our um, external vendors may have a stake in the game, so we have to sometimes take their suggestions with a grain of salt. But, you know, this whole SMART initiatives initiatives is a, um, a perfect example. Um, we don't necessarily know the entire space there. But, again, we have kind of a model that we're looking at. I know what I want. I know what my vision is. And so I can work with my vendors or I can work internally to decide Are they telling me something that makes sense? Am I ultimately going to still get to my vision and get to my goal? So as long as I can still measure that, and we have, again, we we have a very mature model for measuring, are we getting the value that we really want out of it? Because, again, I get calls all the time. I'm sure Kevin gets calls all the time about I have this great tool, I have this great technology, I have this great system that will help you. Well, you know, sometimes there's not a problem to help, but if there is a problem, I have to have that defined and say, okay, how is this going to help me and have some really key success factors to say, yeah, that's really will work? So, again, this, this smart initiative, smart cities initiatives, um, at the end of the day, any promises that are made to me by vendors for smart cities has to engage citizens. It has to provide services for citizens. So I have a measurement. I have a, a, you know, a measuring stick to say, yeah. I hear what you're telling me. It's not just you're not just a salesman telling me something. I see how this is going to directly um, meet my goal of engaging citizens and making their interaction with the city easier and more effective. So it's definitely a balancing act with that.
1: Now, Kevin, if you are looking at the same um, analogy of people going in there, how would you approach? the the overall learning so you would just go and read here and there or is there a way you are even formalizing your internal leadership development and or digital literacy if you will for your organization how, how are you even approaching this
2: um yeah we are we are trying to standardize some of it um by um looking to outside uh agencies for assistance um, you know, we use a couple of uh, of the larger um, think tanks, if you will, um, that we're, we have memberships with that we use um, to ask them uh, about what their research is showing and what their research um, reveals to help us to formalize our, um, our process of moving more digital. Um, and then, you know, obviously what research everybody's doing on their own and, and we kind of get together um and you know have have just uh brainstorming sessions in regards to it as well
1: so so kevin your uh, approach is about creative destruction which means let go of the old for it to make place for the new or is it a, 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 I would not call it a better mousetrap but something which is an incremental shift to uh, the digital thinking because many a times when you do the incremental thinking then you are undermining what the dig- digital could otherwise do if you were be willing and open to allow the creative destruction
2: yeah we we try to allow for the creative destruction destruction uh as best we can but i think we have to kind of have a little bit of control on it as well because uh, while we want that that creative thinking and those creative ideas to to bubble to the top and 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 hopefully we can implement um you know many of them uh we also still have to think about the big picture you know and what the end game is and obviously that's that customer experience and that and that citizen engagement and and citizen um what we deliver to them so while you know we would like to always use that kind of um, methodology, it's not always practical or possible because we still have um, constraints that are provided to us um, through city commission or through the city administration. So we still have to deliver and we can't just um, flail around always kind of thinking about or or um, never coming to an end game. So, uh,
1: Don, when you talk to your people and go through this whole process of uh, rethinking uh, how your organization works, etc., what challenges are your people telling you that they are facing, which are challenges, which I would not call them chronic, but they are tough to crack?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, not so much challenges or even like we talked about earlier were distractions. Um, As as just opportunities. There's just so many things to get done and there's so many good things that we can do and it's just filtering them all out. So again, we have excited people here who work for me. They want to get it all done and it's just trying to um, balance all those things um, and make sure they can get them done. So Again, not necessarily distractions, but lots of opportunities in the technical arena right now. And so we're, we're trying to measure those and make sure that we, get, we do the ones that give us the most bang for our buck. Um, and, but we're excited here at
1: the things that are going on. And if there was to be defined as a holy grail, Kevin, of what your organization would look like, what, what paint how, how would you paint a picture for a city like yours? The holy grail,
2: boy. In the uh, digital world. Right. Um, well, you know, it would be, you know, I think um, being, having, having the true capability of, of being fully bimodal would certainly be helpful. And, you know, I would always want to have one of those, you know, teams that's always, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, a, a research and development team, a smart cities team, you know, an innovation team. Uh, You can name it whatever you'd like, but a team that's always out there looking at the edge um, and bringing, you know, that innovation back into the department, but also allowing everybody within the department to fulfill a role on that team at some point uh, in their career because that gives them an opportunity to be out on the edge for some period of time and be that digital thinker um, and really bring back a lot of ideas and and hopefully um, things that we can use to provide a better service to our to our customers. On behalf of the show
1: and our listeners, thank you so much again, Kevin and Don, for sharing your insights and thoughts on how the organizations can uh, dismiss the distractions which may or may not be because of living the digital world, but working on it, bringing organizational and individual level focus, and eventually deliver value in a consistent and a sustained manner. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yep, And uh, please like us on Facebook, listeners. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Search for CTN. uh, That is CIO Talk Network. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host.
0: Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjog All. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.